Well, good morning. I know it's been said before, but we're glad you're here today. Let me say this. It has been a long, cold, snowy week. Or maybe we should say weeks. I think there's been at least three weeks in a row like this, cold and snowy. But praise God, we can come together this morning and worship the living God of all creation. The God who created everything out of nothing the God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That's why we're here. That's the only reason we're here is to worship the God of all creation. So there's a lot of places we could be today, but we're glad you chose to come and worship here with us together. I read a story. By the way, let me stop. My wife is homesick. People are going to wonder where's Sharon. Um, I got a cold the middle of last week, Tuesday or Wednesday, and she was fine for a couple days. I'm getting better. Now she's got the cold. So she would have loved to come, but she couldn't get here this morning. But I, I read a story a couple days ago, and it uh, seemed interesting to me. And so as I began to share that story with Sharon, she told me that she had read the exact same story. So we compared notes on where we found that story. And the story goes something like this. It's an interesting story, I'll tell you that. There's a seminary that did a study on some of the men in their seminary training to be pastors. They asked one dozen men to prepare sermons that would be used on multiple upcoming radio broadcasts. Now, what made the assignment so unique was that they asked all 12 pastors to preach a sermon from the same scripture passage. And then they were going to play those recordings, those sermons, on the radio one each week for the next 12 weeks. They were all asked to preach a sermon on the topic of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10. Now, they scheduled the pastors, these guys who were in training to become pastors, they scheduled them to show up at the seminary building every 30 minutes so that they could record the sermon, and then they could leave, and the next pastor would come. So can you picture this with me? There's a pastor going to show up every 30 minutes. The seminary also arranged for a man to stop shaving for a couple weeks, to dress in old, worn-out clothes, and lay on the sidewalk in front of the seminary, appearing to be homeless. According to the story I read, every pastor had to either walk around or step over the man who was lying there on the sidewalk in front of the seminary. And as they entered the seminary building to preach a sermon on the Good Samaritan, not one, not one of those 12 men stopped to talk to the man who was lying there on the sidewalk. And these are guys who are training to be pastors. Now, I know it's, uh, it's, it's always easy to criticize other people. I understand that. It's more difficult to receive criticism ourselves. But this morning, I want to ask us a question. And I just want us to think about this for a minute. And I want you to answer the question quietly to yourself. But I want you to answer it. When was the last time you saw someone with a need and you just ignored the whole situation? Today we're going to look at the story of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10. So I'd like you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Can I mute this just for a second? I need to cough. And I don't want to... Off, does that the same thing? 
Thank you. I, I'm good for another minute. Let's all take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 25 through 37. Now let's remind ourselves, this book that we hold in our hands is not just a book that we picked up at the mall. This is, this is God's Word, His inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. And so I'm going to ask everybody, let's stand. If you're able to stand, let's stand. And you can just follow along in your Bible as I read this passage of Scripture. Luke 10, 25 to 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then Jesus asked this question, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray together. Well, dear Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we remind ourselves that it was from the the lips, the voice of Jesus, in response to a question that had been asked by a man there in Israel. And God, for those of us who have been in church, we have heard this story dozens, if not hundreds of times. So, Lord, today we're asking you to do what only you can do. We're asking you to give us new eyes and new ears that we can see this parable from a different perspective or or maybe from a perspective that gives us the desire to actually go and apply this to our life. As we read this story about the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan, Lord, we can't help but ask ourselves which one of those three is, which one of those three closely resembles us. And so I ask God that not only you'd help us to understand what your word says, but you'd give us the desire to apply it to the world around us. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Well, we're told that this man in verse 25 in your Bible, this man in verse 25 is a lawyer. The NIV Bible calls him an expert in the law. The New Living Translation calls him an expert in religious law. So no matter which Bible translation you prefer, we understand that this man, let's understand who this man is. He is a trained expert in Old Testament law. If you and I were in Jerusalem on the day this happened, if we saw this man walking down the street in the first century, we would say, or we could say, either out loud or to ourselves, now there's someone who knows the law. There are... 
<coughs> there are 613 Mosaic laws. Remember that number. There's 613 Mosaic laws. There are 365 laws which tell us things that we're not supposed to do. And there's 248 laws which tell us things we're supposed to do. We have laws like that in South Dakota. You realize that. We have laws that tell us things we're supposed to do. And we have other laws that tell us things we're not supposed to do. Let me give you an example. We're supposed to pay our income tax by April 15th. We're supposed to remove the snow from our sidewalk within 24 hours of a snowstorm. We're supposed to stop at a red light. Okay? We've got laws on the books concerning things we're supposed to do. But we also have laws concerning things we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to drive 50 miles an hour out here on Marion Road. If you do that, you're going to have a little red and a little black and white car pull up behind you with this red light on. So we're not supposed to throw pop cans out of our car when we're driving down the street, correct? And we're not supposed to take our dog for a walk unless we bring along a little plastic baggie. You know what I mean? Enough said. Both Israel and South Dakota have laws concerning things we're supposed to do, and we have laws concerning things we're not supposed to do. In order to be a lawyer in first century Israel, you had to memorize all 613 laws. And you had to memorize all 613 laws word perfect. If you're going to be an expert in the law, you had to memorize the law because there were very few, if any, books that had these written down. They were all passed along. Certain ones were in scrolls, but they were passed along from one generation to the next verbally, and lawyers had to memorize these. At the time of Jesus, you couldn't go to your office and turn on a computer and look up Mosaic Law and get a print out of all 630. You can do that this afternoon if you want. There were no smartphones with an app for Mosaic Law. Okay, If you're going to be an expert in the law, you have to memorize all 613 laws word perfect. The lawyer in verse 25 continually studied the law so that it could be interpreted and applied to the people's lives. And yet in verse 25, and I want to use this terminology, in verse 25, this expert in the law, as it says in the NIV Bible, asked Jesus a question. Now here's a guy who has memorized the law. And yet he asks Jesus a question. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do? I'll give you the Steve Anderson translation. What do I need to do so that when I die, I know that I'm going to heaven? Now, the way the lawyer asked it, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? It's a question people have been asking since the beginning of time. Job asked the question in Job 14, 14. He says, if a man dies, will he live again? Now, one way or another, all of us have asked the same question. Is there such a thing as life after death? And if there is such a thing, as life after death, then what do I need to do to make sure that I'm going to get to heaven and not end up in hell? That's the question that the expert in the law is asking Jesus. 
Now let's understand again who this guy is. He, this, this kind of lawyer, this expert in the law, that's not the kind of guy that we would take with us to the courthouse if we got a traffic ticket and we wanted to fight it downtown at the courthouse. This lawyer is not like that. This lawyer is the kind of lawyer that goes to the Supreme Court and argues cases. This guy is an expert. He has all the answers to all the questions. And yet he asked Jesus this question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? The question is insincere. He doesn't really care about the answer. On the surface, it seems like the lawyer is seeking an answer, but he's not looking for an answer. That's not why he asks Jesus this question. He's not really seeking to be taught by Jesus, nor is he interested in finding the way to eternal life. In his mind, this lawyer already thinks he has all the answers to all the questions. He thinks he knows everything. What he's trying to do is confront a man like Jesus who he considers to be uneducated, and he wants Jesus to give him an answer back so that then he can turn the tables on Jesus and say, that's not what it says according to the law. But Jesus is all God at the same time that he's all man. And he understands what this lawyer is trying to do. Jesus, instead of answering the lawyer's question, asks the lawyer his question. He turns the conversation around, and now the lawyer is being tested, not Jesus. Now, you remember the lawyer's question? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said in verse 26, what is written in the law? How do you read it? In verse 27, here's the answer that this expert gives. We must love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and with all our mind. And we must not only love our neighbor, but we must, <clears throat> we must love our neighbor just as much as we love ourselves. Do you understand there's a difference in the way we love our neighbor? We're supposed to love our neighbor in the same way that we love ourselves. Now, I've had many of the same experiences in life that you've had. I've lived next door to some really wonderful people, and at other times I've lived next door to some people who are not really all that wonderful. We're supposed to love our neighbors the same way that we love ourselves. What Jesus is really saying in 27, or what the lawyer is answering, is to get to heaven, we must keep the law. All of it. Every bit of it. Every detail. We have to obey every detail of the law. There are no exceptions. If we're planning to get to heaven based on keeping the law, we cannot make any mistakes. We cannot ignore any of the law. We have to keep the law perfectly. But that's not what the lawyer wanted to hear. Because he knew, the lawyer knew, remember he's an expert, he knew that it was not possible to keep the law perfectly, and yet that's exactly what the law required. The law requires us to do what we can't do. If we want to be saved by keeping the law, then we need to obey all the law, all the time, not just some of the law, some of the time. In other words, our good works, our efforts at good works, no matter how good our good works are, they're never going to be good enough to save anyone. It's only through Jesus that we can find salvation. Now, in my mind, it's an interesting situation here. 
excuse me, Jesus could have taken this opportunity with the lawyer and switched the conversation and begin talking about salvation. But Jesus goes a different direction. And Jesus tells the lawyer about three people. A Levite, a priest, and a Samaritan. There's a Levite, a priest, and a Samaritan who, while traveling, encounter a man who is wounded and injured, lying on the road. Now, I want you to think about this as we think about this story. Which one of those three is you? Are you the Levite? Are you the priest? Are you the Samaritan? The priest and the Levite ignored the man, just kept walking, but the Samaritan stops to help. Now, Levites and priests, well, they're a lot like us. Their whole life revolved around what we would call the church, but they called it the temple. They're very religious. They're always doing something at the church. Priests were authorized to perform sacrifices. Levites were set apart to help the priests, so they worked together. If we can move this up to 2019 and talk about the things that we would do today, these Levites and priests served as pastors, deacons, elders, custodians, musicians, and repairmen. Priests and Levites were supported by tithes that Jewish people contributed in the offering. The Old Testament law demanded, this was not an option, the Old Testament law demanded good deeds and caring for people who were hurt. Now picture this. The Levites and the priests understood the law. And they know that the law says you have to stop and help people when they have needs. And here Jesus tells this story of the wounded man lying on the road, and the, it's the priest and the Levite who walk right on by ignoring the man. Maybe, you know, I've thought about this. Maybe we need to stop being so hard on the priest and the Levite. Maybe, just maybe, maybe they thought the guy had already died. And they knew that it was against Jewish law for them to touch a dead body. If they touched the dead body, they would be defiling themselves. So maybe, let's just give them a little bit of grace for a minute. That's why they just walked on by. Or maybe it was for some other reason. Maybe, have you ever thought about this? Maybe they were so busy going to church, they didn't have time to stop and help people. But whatever the real reason is, these two Respected religious leaders passed by on the other side of the road. They deliberately ignored the man who had needed help. Jewish people saw themselves as pure descendants of Abraham. And they saw the Samaritans as a mixed race of people who were part Jewish and part something else. And people who considered themselves to be complete Jewish people had hard feelings towards Samaritans. They wanted nothing to do with them. Jewish people in the first century hated Samaritans. So when Jesus introduces the, in this story, he starts talking about the priest and the Levite. They're all up to date on that. Then when he introduces the topic of the Samaritan man, well, they couldn't believe it. The Jewish listeners would not have expected him to offer any help. But in great detail, Jesus goes on to describe all the help that the Samaritan offered to the man who was injured lying beside the road. It says he took pity, bandaged his wounds. How would he do that? Maybe he tore strips of clothing from his own shirt and bandaged the wounds. 
He put the man on his donkey, which means now he has to walk. He took him to an inn to take care of him. He used wine, which would have been used as a disinfectant, and oil, which would have served as sort of a soothing lotion. Apparently, the Samaritan knew what it meant to help someone in need, to be a neighbor, regardless of the color of his skin or whether or not he went to church. And then Jesus said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do like nice. Now, in verse 29, we run across this word neighbor. The Greek word for neighbor means someone who is nearby. Okay? So that makes sense. Wherever you're going to be tonight when you lay your little head on the pillow, wherever that is, the neighbor is, whether it's the next house or the house across the street or the apartment, we understand who the neighbor is. But in this context, neighbor means anyone who is nearby who needs help. Our neighbor's not just the person who lives next door. Our neighbor's not just the person who lives across the hall. It's that person who is near to us at any given moment. Now let me tell you two stories, and then I want you to figure out what are we, how are we going to do, how are we going to live our lives from this moment on. Next Sunday on your way to church, okay? I want you to imagine you're running a little late, okay? But you notice someone's pulled over the side of the road with car trouble. If you stop and help, you're going to be late for church. But what do you think Jesus would want you to do? Stop and help? Or just ignore the person and drive right on by? Now, you have to understand, and I hope you understand this, I am all for going to church, okay? But sometimes as I read that story of the Good Samaritan, I feel like I'm the Levite and the priest. I'm so busy going to church, even when I see somebody who needs my help alongside the road, I just ignore them because I've got to get to church. So I don't know how many of us next Sunday morning are going to see somebody with car trouble on the way to church. But what do you think Jesus would have us do? Let me tell you another story. Let's fast forward. Let's go to next spring. Let's go to April or May or June and the sun's shining and the birds are singing and the white clouds and the blue sky. It's just absolutely beautiful. And as you pull out of your driveway or in front of your house, you notice that the guy next door is starting to paint his house. You know who that guy is because you've talked to him about Jesus two or three or four times, and he tells you every time, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to talk about Jesus. I don't want you to talk about him. I don't want to have any conversation about Jesus. And yet as you back your car out of the driveway headed to church, you see that he's outside all alone. He's getting ready to paint his house. What do you suppose Jesus would want us to do? Go to church, and we sort of honk at him on the way. Hey, have a good day. I'm going to church. Or what would happen if we actually skipped church? And I, I'm not in favor of skipping church. Don't understand. get that. But what would happen to the kingdom of God 
if on that particular Sunday we just stayed home and you went in and changed clothes and you stayed home and helped that guy paint his house. You see, Jesus says we're supposed to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. And he's not just talking about Christians. He's talking about whoever that is that the sovereignty of God brings into our life at a certain moment in time. Now, the question I asked 20 minutes ago was, when was the last time we saw someone with a need and we just ignored them? I wonder what would happen if, and this won't happen, but into the future, if, if there was... If Jesus were to tell the story of the Good Samaritan and he used you and I in the story. And instead of saying uh, a priest, he'd say, Pastor Steve was on his way to church one Sunday. And there was somebody there with car trouble, but Pastor Steve just drove right on by because he was so concerned about getting to church. He didn't have time to stop and help. Or one of the deacons or the elders or the Sunday school teachers. He, he could, we could have all kinds of names in here. It seems like there's countless ways that we can love our neighbors. And it shouldn't matter whether they go to Cross Point or some other church or they don't go to any church at all. It shouldn't matter whether they're Christians or Muslims or Hindus or Jehovah's Witness. It shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. If someone in our circle of life, someone in our neighbor, one of our neighbors, and we're aware of a need they have, we're supposed to love them and offer them the same help that we would want someone to offer to us. Because loving others is one of the ways that we can show that we truly love God. Jesus wanted the lawyer to see for himself that keeping the law was not going to get him to heaven because no one can keep the law. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross and shed his blood. Because we can't keep the law. And we have to have a way to have our sin forgiven. Let me close with this. You think about those people in Luke chapter 10. To the expert in the law, the wounded man was a subject to discuss. To the robbers, the wounded man was someone to use and exploit. To the religious men, the Levite and the priest, the wounded man was a problem to be avoided. To the innkeeper, the wounded man was a customer to serve for a fee. To the Samaritan, the wounded man was a human being worth caring for and loving. To Jesus, all of them were worth dying for. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to take these words of Scripture and be serious about applying them to our life. God, if we could be so bold as to actually pray and ask that you would bring people and situations into our life that would force us to stop and help people. God, if that's what it takes, then Lord, we ask that you'd bring those people into our life because we are so busy. We live such busy lives here. We are so consumed with ourselves and where we need to be and where we need to get to at a certain time that all of us have ignored people who need help. Help us to be known, God, as the church of people that desires to love people and to help people. We ask that you'd care for us until we can come back again next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.